Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I, I, went, um, I went to Christina and, and I said, Christina, do we have one of those, one of those charts one of those charts downstairs, and, and, and these charts, you know, some of you may have this in your home, and man, you're tall, eh? Um, <laughs> you know, you have it in your home, and as, as the children are growing, you put it up on the wall, and then, and then you go, come here, children, come here, and then, and then you kind of like do a little, little mark just over their head, and, and they're like, you know, and they go, look how tall you are, and, and then they come back maybe like in a month, and, and they get, you know, taller, and you go, look, you, you put a date on it, and, and, and you, watch the, you watch the growth of your children, you, you see celebrate the growth they see their their own growth and and development and there's a sense of of um, of excitement that is going on and sometimes people you know leave this up for a very long time or they keep it even as a as a keepsake and we we do it because we want to measure particularly the progress of those children right pastor Carol, this is your this is your wheelhouse, right? And, and it's a form of, of celebration, these milestones that, that take place in, in, uh, in their lives. And, and many times, whether it's we're measuring children or, you know, if you go to the gym and they'll, they'll measure your weight and body parts and whatever, they, they create, you know, Jairus, they create a point of reference to say, this is where you were and this is where you are now. This is where you were and this is where you are now. And so for many things, isn't it interesting that, that we measure, but when it comes to our spiritual health, I, I wonder if we use any sort of chart, any sort of, of measurement, and yet that's one of the most important things that's, uh, that's in our lives. So I thought I would just kind of illustrate this, and I hope that you're going to have this kind of in your mind as we go through the Word of God today. Everybody give Jairus a, a great big hand, and yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Jairus, thank you for thank you for using your mean face. I needed your mean face there, and uh, and bless God. So we 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 have been talking about our rocks as a church. We've been talking about casting vision. And I actually have a a slide here. Uh, we have four major rocks in our in our church that include personal and professional development. We'll talk about that next week. We talked a little bit about church life, and and, and I want to touch a little bit on that as we move forward today. Today, I want to really talk to you about spirit. Spiritual health, and, and when I consider spiritual health, really what I look at is growth. What is our what is our our growth? And then finally, we have our, our brand and our reach, with which covers a, a lot of different things. We're probably not going to preach on that. We're going to focus on the on the top three. But today, I really want to talk to you about this idea of spiritual health and spiritual growth. And and here is here is my definition, just kind of a working definition. To me, spiritual health is our overall spiritual well-being and vitality and growth that we experience when we are connected to Christ. This is what we experience, our, our overall well-being, our overall health, our vitality. Another word for vitality is life that we experience 
when we are connected to Christ. John 15, that we abide in the Lord, and, and of course the Lord abides in us, and, and so we are connected to God, we are connected to one another, we're the body of Christ, we are, we are part of the church, and this is what we talked about last week, and, and how I mentioned, you know, as we went into the, the early church, that we are, we are not a club, we're just, we're not a club, we're not, we're not a place that just gathers people, but because of the Spirit of God, because of the life of God that is operating within us, something dynamic occurs. Because the church, which you are part of, you are, you are members of this body, is really a living organism. This is something that, that is alive, that, you know, you heard the words like thriving and flourishing. There, there is life that is operating amongst us by the Spirit of God. But then Paul says this, that, that one member of the body also provides to another member. This is why, this is why we need each other. And this is, by the way, one of the reasons the devil wants to isolate you when, when you get into trouble or sin or whatever. The enemy wants to isolate you. We learn this behavior out of, out of Genesis, right, where Adam and Eve tried to hide from God because the enemy, out of fear and shame, wants to isolate us so that he can attack us and pick us off because you are safer when you're in the body of Christ. And so I want to share some statistics with you because it's not only about growth, but, but I hope that you understand that there is statistical evidence, beneficial statistical evidence for you and I simply because we come to church and we're part of the community. And I, I have some statistics here that I, it's the day of, of stats today. I want to show you that, that, that these surveys have been done. These aren't fake numbers. These are surveys that have been done. Now watch this. First of all, when people engage with their Bibles four times a week or more, okay? Now, by engagement, I don't mean that you take the Bible from the coffee table and put it on another table. That, I'm talking about you read it, you study it. It's, it's some form of devotion to you. You're listening to it. Look at the statistics of the people four times or more. Number one, their, their feeling lonely drops 30%. Their anger issues drop 32%. Their bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism, just by engaging with the Bible, drops, notice, 57%. Sex outside of marriage, how many understand that's a problem today, drops 68%. Because you're engaged with the Bible. No wonder, no wonder the devil doesn't want the Bible around. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith drops 200%. And then discipling others. In other words, I, I want to pour into other people goes up 230%. Let's go to the next slide. When you go to church regularly, 71% of you that, that we saw, watch this, mortality rate drops 20 to 30%. Huh? That means you can have that cheesecake, go come to church and still live. Uh, not that I'm saying we shouldn't be healthy, we heard about that, right? Listen, you're more optimistic. There are lower rates of suicide. You're less likely to divorce. You have more self 
control in your life. Next slide. Next slide. Here's a Harvard study. Here's a Harvard study. We talk about this all the time about bringing your, your children to church. And by the way, and even for the people that are online, to me, bringing your children to church is a non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable. We don't talk about it. It's not a, it's not a decision that, 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 oh, let's talk. No, no, no. It's, it's like brushing your teeth right? And, and eating your vegetables, we, we go to the house of God. Listen, bringing your kids to church while they, even they're into their 20s will give them a 60% higher chance of well-being and happiness in their lives. There are many beneficial reasons to come to the house of God. There, there, are, there are benefits that, that you are receiving simply because you're attending, you're a part of a community, you are giving and serving, which breaks selfishness in our lives, but then, then we are receiving from others, whether it's through the word, whether, it, whether it's through fellowship, whether it's through the worship service part of it, whether it's simply in our relationships. It is beneficial to be connected to the Lord and to his house. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy 4.11. Everybody say spiritual health. I want you to stand with me. Let, let's read out of 1 Timothy 4 and 11. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. This is Paul writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's writing him to challenge him and to encourage him. And I, I recognize that this is a, a, a leadership, if you will, uh, portion of scripture, but we can draw many, many uh, principles from it. And Paul says these things to his spiritual son. He says, these things command and teach. Command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Can I, I want to point something out to you. These things right here are that chart. This is the measuring stick, Paul said, of your progress and your spiritual life. He says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Doctrine is our, our system of belief. Then he says this, do not neglect the, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Now, now church, just for a moment, I, I want you to see what Paul is saying there because what Paul is saying is spiritual gifts can be neglected. Spiritual gifts can be ignored. They, they can be put on the shelf somewhere and forgotten about it. In another portion, when Paul writes to me, he says, stir up. Stir up the gift. I want to challenge you right now. What, what gift has God given you that, that maybe you have forgotten about, that maybe you are not stirring up? Because the gifts of God need to be utilized. They, they need to be sharpened or, or they go dormant. They go stagnant. It's not that God takes them away. It's that they're not active. He says, meditate, think about, consider these things and, and give yourself entirely to them that your progress, everybody say progress. That, that word means your, your forward traction, your movement, your, your grip in life may be evident to all. There's an evidence of your, of your progress, Timothy. And then, and then he says, take heed or be careful to yourself and to the doctrine and continue in them for in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. Father, we thank you for your word. Timeless, eternal, powerful, 
incredible. Holy Spirit, we pray that even as I'm preaching your word, you are preaching on the inside of your people, those even watching online. We thank you that this word will minister to us, challenge us, even evoke a change within us. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said amen. Before you're seated, turn to somebody and say progress. Come on, progress. Hallelujah. For the next few minutes, I, I want to talk to you about this idea and this concept of spiritual growth or, or this idea of spiritual health. And, and even when we looked at that chart, I, I really wonder if, if really we take the time to consider how do we measure that we are doing well spiritually? How do we, how do we measure our well-being when it comes to our spirituality? Are there measurements that we can put in place or, or is it simply, well, you know, I, you know, pastor, I feel like I'm doing okay or I feel like I'm doing horrible and, and, and so we get caught up in our, we get caught up in our feelings and we don't have enough data, if you will, to back up either what we believe. But, but how many know that feelings can be deceiving? Huh? Uh, as a matter of fact, if you go into the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus spoke to some churches that, that thought they were doing really well, and the Lord said, you're not doing well. You know, you're blind, you're wretched, you're naked, and, and, and they thought they were flourishing. They thought, we're doing great. And the Lord said, hey, let me give you some data. You're not doing as well as you think you are. So our, our self-perception can be deceiving. This is, by the way, this is why we, you know, we, we, we have these surveys, and even yesterday we spent about three hours here with some of the leaders, department heads, and, and some of the elders and whatever, really strategizing and looking at, at these rocks and saying, okay, are, are we doing what we said we would do? Are we, are we in line with the word of God and with the vision that, that God has given us in, you know, in, in this part of the city? Are we, are, we, are we putting our attention, our time, our money, our resources on the things that we believe are of value, things like faith and prayer culture. But, but today I want to talk to you about this idea of our, of our spiritual vitality, of our, of our overall health, because you are important to this equation. If we're going to be the body of Christ, we need every member of the body to be healthy. As a matter of fact, the healthier that you are as an individual, as a family, as the, as the unit that you represent, when then you come and be a part of the house of God, the healthier you are, then the healthier we all are. Yes? I don't know if you, you heard the congestion that Pastor Moses is having. Uh, he's not sick, but he's battling, I don't know, these allergies and whatever, and he, he can't get rid of this congestion. Now, overall, overall, Pastor Moses is healthy. He's a healthy individual, but, but this sinus part of his life is incredibly annoying. It is, it is, a, it is a problem. He can't, he can't communicate, you know, and, and by the way, I, you know, I, I took him to school on Thursday, and, and he, did, uh, he did incredibly well, but he's like sniffling, you know, he's like, he's teaching, and you know, and I'm, and I'm like... And he's looking at me and his nose is dripping. And, but, but listen, you can be healthy, right? <laughs> it's a true story. It's, when I gave his bio, I had to say, and he's not sick, and he's not sick. But, but watch this. You can be healthy and then have an area of your body that you're like, wow, this is annoying. This, this is a problem. This is an issue. I, I have to get this fixed. And, and by the way, you know what's interesting? When, when you have something like that, you don't think about all the parts of your body that are doing well. Huh? Like, like Pastor Moses doesn't come up here and go, listen, I, I've got this sinus issue, but I want you to know my liver's doing really good. 
right? We, we tend to focus on this is a problem, this is an irritation, this is, this is an area, and so we need all members of the body to be as healthy as possible so that when we come together, then, then we can experience the, the, the flourishing and the thriving. And, and, and my friends, that when we have, when we have a, a house that is full of faith and is full of prayer, then, then hopefully we don't have a house that, that is political or racist or gossiping or backbiting or stabbing one another, right? That, that we actually have care and love for one another instead of tearing one another apart. Right. Isn't that what Paul said to one of the churches? If, if you gossip and you backbite, he said, aren't you just going to tear each other apart and aren't you going to destroy the very thing that God is trying to create? So, so this spiritual progress and health is important for all of us. Right. Now, Timothy, Timothy is a young man. In this day and age, to be youthful was a disadvantage. People looked at you and said, well, we don't think you have anything to teach us. We don't think you can lead us because you are younger than us. And so wisdom, if you will, and knowledge was really reserved for those that were older. As a matter of fact, Jesus was also maligned with this very thing that they said to him, you're not even, you know, you're not even, when he's talking about how great that he was and he was greater than Abraham. And they said to him, you're not even 50 years old. Now, where did they get that number? Because in that day, unless you were 50 years old, you were not deemed to be mature. You were not deemed to be in a place of leadership or to be a rabbi. And what they were saying to him is, you want, you're saying you're greater than Abraham. You're not even 50 years old, bro. There was a reason they, they picked that number. It was really, a, uh, in today's vernacular, we would say it was a shot, right? They took a shot at him. It was, a, it was a criticism. It is a ridicule to say, you haven't been in the oven long enough. Why should we listen to you? And here again with, with, with Timothy. With Timothy, is the same thing. He's a, he's a young leader. He's a young pastor. He's got a very large church, and, and he's, he's struggling because they're under persecution. And on top of that, he's young, and so he has some disadvantages. But Paul said, listen, listen, you can overcome these disadvantages if you live a certain way. You, you can overcome these disadvantages, Timothy, if you have a certain character, people will actually be drawn to you, they will listen to you, despite your disadvantage of youth, you will actually win those that are older than you, because they will look at your life, and they will not be able to dispute what God is doing within you. And my friends, we all have disadvantages, whether it's, our, whether it's our skin, our age, our background, our education. We're too tall, we're too short, we're too bald, we've too, got too much hair. We, come on, somebody, help me out now, right? You know, Pastor Moses, he, he made a comment about the single people and everybody cheered. Do you know how many people are actually married that want to be single? <laughs> I'm just telling you. Uh, I'm just, you know, curly hair people want straight hair and straight hair want curly hair and I am married and I don't want to be married but I, I'm single and I, and, 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 and listen, whatever side of the fence you're on, we're always looking on the other side. Come on, somebody help me out here. And Paul says, you can, you can overcome these things, Timothy. You can, you, can, you can rise above even the disadvantages of, of life. And by the way, he wasn't even a, a pure Jew. You know, he had, a, he had a mixture in his family between his mother and his father. And, but what he had was the faith of his mother and his grandmother. Hello. And so Paul's writing to him. And he's saying, I, I want you to progress. And, and, and notice in, in, the, in the very first verse here. 
In the very first verse, in verse 11, he says, command and teach these things. In other words, not only command as in, as in giving directions, but command is you have a command over them. You, you have a control over them. In other words, let these five things be operating in you. And in verse 12, we, we, we see the measuring stick. We see the measuring stick in verse 12. Now, before we get into this, I want you to see three points from what we just read. Three points. Number one, here's what I want you to see. Number one, engage your mind and your body. Engage your mind and your body. We're talking about progress. We're, we're talking about spiritual development. We're talking about growth. In, in doing so, we need to engage our thinking. That's why Paul said to him, meditate, meditate, think about, consider, even philosophically, consider the things, Timothy, that I'm writing to you about, but then you're gonna have to engage your body along with your mind. Command and teach. Meditate, think on these things, engage your mind, and then engage your body. Number two, number two, church, if you're going to be addicted to anything, be addicted to progress. If you are going to be addicted to anything, be addicted to progress. Now, we're talking about spirituality here, but my friends, you ought to be addicted to progress in every area of your life. You, you ought to be addicted to growing and developing in everything God has given you, in every aspect of life, whether it is spiritual, national, uh, emotional, physical, financial, whatever it is, whatever God has put in your hands, you're literally a steward of the things that God has given you, including your gift, you ought to be progressing in those areas. Be addicted to progress. Challenge yourself. Tell yourself that the status quo is not acceptable. Tell yourself that to be average is not acceptable. My friends, we have enough average people. We don't need any more average people. We need people that are excellent. We need people like Daniel that, that stand out, that are, that are willing to be accounted, that are willing to step out and say, hey, hey, I don't want to be average. I don't want to be defined by the mob mentality. I don't want to just fit in. I want to stand out, and I want to stand out for God. Hello? Huh? So we are leaders. So that we are exceptional. Number two, be addicted to spiritual progress. And, and notice, notice what Paul says, your progress will be evident to all. You, you don't need to go around saying to people, hey, listen, I'm progressing. Hey, look, look at my life. Look at my life. You, you think I'm praying better? Do you, look, look, do you think I have more? No, no. Listen, when, when you're progressing, Paul said, you're going to have fruit on that tree. As a matter of fact, people will come up to you and say, wow, what's going on with you, bro? What's going on with you, sis? What is happening there? There is a progression that is happening in your life. You know, we, we installed some deacons, like, I don't know, a few months ago. And I, I have watched the progression. I have watched the progression of these men. And I'm not with them 24-7, but I can see things, and I can pick things out in the spirit. And then I'll go and talk to their wives. Deacons, listen, I'll talk to your wives. And I, and I say, tell me, tell me what's happening. Tell me what's happening with your husband. And, and, and you know, and they say things like this oh pastor you know he's getting up earlier and and he's praying more and he's reading the word more and, and and all of a sudden one of the spouses said to me about one of our deacons they she, she made this statement she said you know he's really taking this seriously and something ignited in me i said to pastor moses i said we need to do a leadership teaching on serious leadership I have never heard anybody teach on quote-unquote 
serious leadership. But, but the, I was like, Lord, what, what, are you, what are you saying to me? And what does this mean? It, it ignited something in me. And I thought, I got I to go flesh this out. I got to go find this out because it wasn't just a comment that was made. There is something here and I need to take that comment because somebody has fruit and evidence and I'm going to feed other people with the fruit of something that's not even in my own life in the sense of she was talking about her own husband. That's powerful. We all ought to have fruit that is evident in our lives. And, and you know, and I, and I always say, you know, I have this philosophy that says this, you know, if, if it isn't working for you, don't export. Hmm? We, we, love, we love to export thoughts and ideas and, and all kinds of things that it's not even working for us. Right? Like, like people know that you know, I'm going to the gym and I'm getting, you know, I'm trying to get healthy and whatever. And I, I just love it when fatter people than me come up to me and they have advice for me. And I want to look at them and go. How come it ain't working for you? You have all this knowledge for me, but don't seem to be working for you. Huh? If we have that kind of information, that kind of knowledge, how about letting it work for you? How about letting it work in your life so that when you say to me, hey, this is what I think you ought to do, that I'm like, wow, I can take that. I can take that because there's fruit there. Number three, number three, set and live the pattern. Set, at Kyle, set and live the pattern, my brother. If we have a dial in our lives, we ought to set the dial to live the pattern. Live the pattern. And, and this is really what it means. It is a, it is a lifestyle. What, what, what Paul was saying is set it to live the lifestyle. In other words, you know what he was saying? Not only be a, an example, but it brings out the idea of this. Practice these things. You want to grow spiritually? You, you just think it comes because God waves his hand over you and, and we get a new one. No, no, no. You know what Paul was saying? Practice these things. Practice these things. And some of us, let's be honest, some of us have to practice things more than other people. How many have found that to be true? Have you ever, you ever been in school? You ever been in school and, and, and you know, some of us, we have, to, we have to study really hard and, and we have to work really hard and then, and then you have the kid that's next to you and, and they get 98% and they go, oh, you know, I never really studied. I just, you know, I just, and you just want to slap those people, right? Because they have high IQ. Right, Aizen, like you, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, we're, we're, it just comes naturally, right? Because you're, you're a smart guy. And so, we, and so we, we can honor that or we can smack Aizen later on, but, but there's people like that. So you can either fight against it or you could study more. Maybe you're not designed that way. I, I, I see this. I see this at the gym. I hate it when, you know, here I am working. My, my shoulders hurt. My elbows hurt. My knees hurt. And then there's people that hardly do anything. And they're in incredible physical shape. That's life. That's life. That, that is a reality. There, there are people that, you know, a Pastor Jason comes up here and, my God, he begins to pray and, 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 and you know, and the heavens open up for him and the angels come down and the, the Red Seas part and, and you know, he's praying, he's singing. You know, where is he? Where, where, where is he? He's right here. Praise God. Huh? Pastor Jason is the quietest guy. You'll not know he's in the room. But if you tell him to pray, Come on. something comes out of him, man. I have news for you. 
That doesn't happen unless you practice. That, that, that doesn't happen unless you're in the prayer closet. That, that doesn't happen unless you are praying with God, that you are connected to God. It's, it's, it's not something that is, that, that is just faked or just comes out of you because it is a gift. And by the way, even if it is a gift, at some point, your, your gift will give out because it needs the experience that is behind the gift. Huh? You can't pray like that unless you've been with God. Oh, I would, I, would, I would love to pray like that. Yeah, but are you willing to practice it? Are, are you willing to spend the time in it? Whatever, whatever it may be. I know some people are getting picked on. The Lord heal you. You'll be fine. I'll pray for you later. All right. Five things. Five things really quickly. Paul said, here's the measuring stick. Timothy, you, you need to progress in your words in your speech, in your, in your vocabulary, in the way you communicate with people. The, the level of communication, the type of words, the type of spree, speech that, that you use so that when people hear you, they will listen to you and they will draw from you simply because of the way you talk. And by the way, Timothy, not only the way you talk from the pulpit and not only the way you talk when you're amongst believers, but Timothy, what are you like when you're not with believers? Uh, Timothy, what are you like on Monday when, when everybody's having lunch and all the filthy jokes start? Are, are you part of it? And can you fit in just as well as everybody else? And ladies, you know, ladies, we could say at one time that, that you were the, 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 the better of the species. I have news for you. Some of you are worse than some of the men. I've been in your circles, not you necessarily. I'm talking to the female gender. They can be just as disgusting and vulgar as any man. Congratulations, lady. You have achieved something you should not have achieved. This is the reality of the day we're living in. What's your words like? What's your speech like? What are you like when you get under pressure? What do you like when things don't go your way? Is it a, is it a praise Jesus or is it a four-letter word? Oh, I'm preaching now and got quiet in the church. He says not only in word, but what about your conduct, Timothy? What about, what about the way you live and your pattern and, and your everyday life? And maybe, by the way, Timothy, what about some of your habits? some of the habits and the habitual things that you do. And maybe when people are watching, maybe when people are not watching, maybe when you're alone, maybe, maybe when you're you know, with somebody else. One of the things that, that we tried to do for our children was that we wanted to be the same people at home as we were in the church. That, that we, we, didn't want, we didn't want our daughters to get this idea, oh, mommy and daddy are like this at church, but then when they come home, they're, they're a totally different thing. So then now they get this, this different dichotomy of, of the way we behave in different places, and we, we actually train our children to be frauds. Now, are we you know, perfectly the same? Obviously not. In the, in the comfort of your own home, you know, I'm going to probably pass gas. You understand what I'm talking about? But if I'm, if I'm beside you, I'm probably going to hold it, right? Till my, till my intestines rupture. You know, you know, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be real with you now. But, but when, we, when we create in our behaviors a conduct that is so different, it confuses people. 
hey, how come, how come you people are like that in the church, but then you get out of the church and you're like this and, and you're different in the workplace and you're different in the community and you're, 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 you know, you're, all, you know, you're all different. And, and I've had pastors, by the way, that you know, they join hockey leagues and whatever and, and they're drinking beer, they're cussing, they're being one of the boys and, 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 and they say to me, well, we're just trying to be real. No, that's not real. If you want to be real, then be Jesus real. Because Jesus was accused of, of being a glutton and a, and a wine bibber and, and hanging around tax collectors and prostitutes. But watch this. They, they accused his company, but they couldn't accuse his character. And they accused him of a lot of things, but, but they could never say, yeah, you behave like them. Oh, he was in their company. That's what irritated them. But you see, he didn't become like the sinner. Okay, I got to move on. Number three, love. Number three, love. The agape love of God. And we talked about this. And here's what Jesus said. That if you love God and you love your neighbor as yourself, what did he say? On this hang all the law, all the commandments, and the prophets. He said everything flows from here. As a matter of fact, can I just say this? I want to say this, church. If if we just get this part about loving God and loving our neighbor, you're probably 90% of the way there. But, but you know, on, on Thursday, through all his sniffling, right, Pastor Moses made a powerful comment in one of the classes. He said this, our love needs to be informed. What does that mean? Well, today, you love everything and you love everybody and that's acceptable. No, 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 no. You see, when, when love informs you, what information? The truth. When the truth comes into love, then you know the things you ought to love and the things you ought to hate. Because there are things that God hates. Next one, our spirit. Timothy, be an example in spirit. Our spirit is our passion. It's our, it's our energy. It's our, it's our enthusiasm. It's our intentionality. As a matter of fact, you, do you know that the Greek word spirituality is translated into our modern day word enthusiasm? That, that when, you, when you serve God, you're to serve with enthusiasm. Hello? With energy, with passion. That when we say go, you're ready. Hmm? You're ready to serve. You're ready to worship. Why? Why am I ready to worship and ready to pray? Because I've practiced at home. I've been with God. You know, last Sunday, I preached. Well, that's not even true. We, we preached and we ministered. Uh, we ministered in the first service. I preached whatever that thing was, whatever you call that last week, in the second service. And then it's 11.45, and I, and I just turned to Pastor Moses, and I said, listen, uh, I don't want to preach the third service. You go ahead and preach. 11.45, and the service starts at noon. Too bad. Get ready. Be ready. Be instant in season and out of season. And be enthusiastic. Huh? Young people. Your parents ask you to clean your room? Enthusiasm. Do your laundry. Enthusiasm. With excitement. Huh? Like you're doing it unto Jesus. Your parents are going to think you're possessed. Tell them you're possessed with the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. It's, it's your energy. It's your, listen, listen. You haven't, have you ever, ever had this experience? You're dead tired. You're like, oh, I'm exhausted. I just can't do it. And then somebody calls you. Hey, uh, you want to go to the mall? And you're like, whoa! 
Because the truth is this. You have enough passion for the things you want to do. Because even if your body says to you, oh, I'm so tired, your spirit says, get up. Get up, because we're about to have a good time. And and guess what your body does? Your body follows. Church, do you you not think there are Sunday mornings when I'm exhausted? Because statistically, statistically, I don't know if this happens to you, Pastor Ranjeev, the worst, how do I know this? Because I have a Fitbit that tells me a statistical number of the percentage I sleep I get every single night and every single week, Saturday into Sunday, is my worst night. The worst. Pastor Moses says, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Pastor Renji, maybe you're different, but the worst. I don't know if it's our mind is active, but you know, I don't even want to blame the enemy. I don't want to give him any more credit than, than forget him. But, but there are Sunday mornings where I'm like, Lord, you preach today. You, you think you think there aren't, you know, I said this to Pastor, I'm going to be real with you. I drove past a church in Brampton yesterday, huge church, you know, big church, parking. They have, they have parking that is three times our sanctuary, just the parking. And they have one service. I, I, I remember going to Trinidad and I did one service on a Sunday. And I was like, what do we do now? Because I do this multiple times. Like, I'm like, oh, like, let's go, go, let's go to the church. I'm like, ready. They go, no, we're going to eat. And I go, eat? No, we don't eat till three. What's wrong with this country? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> listen, Trinis, I know you're watching me. I love you. Bless you. Don't, don't send me hate mail. <laughs> but what am I saying? I'm driving past her, and I said to her, I said, Lord, you know, everything people do once, we do three times. Why do we do that? Because we're egotistical. No. Because, because we make room. Because we want people connected to Christ. Because we recognize that, that there is something that is happening at the corner of Queen and Finchgate. I had a man come up to me. He goes, I've... And he wasn't really polite, but he was like, I've, I've, I've passed this church a thousand times on the street. Okay. He goes, and, and finally I just came in. I'm like, well, awesome. But you see, the Spirit of God is just drawing people in. Go inside there. Go inside there. I'm in there, and my people are in there. Go, go in there. And so our spirit, our passion, what about our faith? What about our faith? Our, our faith, can I, can I just say this? I want to say this about faith. I'm almost done. I want to say this about faith. Many, many times we just kind of simplify faith in saying faith is God answering prayer, believing God, trusting God. Yes. But you know what else faith is? Faith is believing that God is operating in your midst. Faith is believing that God is operating in our nation. That, that at church, you know, I've had some dreams. I haven't even told anybody that, that are specific to our nation. I had a dream last night, and, and maybe if the Lord allows me to share it with you, that these are prophetic dreams that I believe the Lord is showing me that are, that are coming. But, but, but I see the things that go on in our nation. But somewhere, I have to have faith that this nation belongs to God. Yeah. 
that your children belong to God, that, that your workplace belongs to God. Only, only 1% of the people that you see that are unemployed. Everybody's working, praise God. We, we, we had, in COVID, we had people that not only were working, they were getting promoted. They were getting raises and bonuses. Faith. We believe God for, I can't tell you how long I've prayed and believed God. And for the first time in the longest time that I could tell you that parking is not an issue at All People's Church. Because of faith. Because of faith. Because of believing and trusting God. We just, you know, we, we just moved the food hub into, into a brand new building, right, Pastor Jay, with, with what we call the collaboration. I mean, I mean, that's an incredible breakthrough. We thank God for that. Faith. Sometimes, listen, what, what, is, what is unbelief? Listen, listen to me, church. Let me tell you what unbelief is. Unbelief is yielding to an idea that God can't make a difference. Well, you know, that's the way they're going to be. That's the way this is. That's a, no, 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 no. See, that's unbelief. Watch this. Because unbelief can still believe that God exists, but that God is not able to change the present circumstance. That's unbelief. And you know what unbelief does to you? It hardens your heart. It hardens your heart, and eventually when your heart becomes hard and you can have a spiritual heart attack and die. Have faith. I want to be around faith people. I, I, not, not just like, yeah, 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 all, everything can be. No, no, not, not, not those marketing statements that people make. I'm talking about people that really know God, that believe God, that have seen God move. Because faith is contagious. That's if there, if there is something I want to catch, I want to catch faith from people. Finally, and I'll close with this, purity. He said, progress in your purity. Not a word that, that we hear in our society, in our world today. The, the idea of, of the opposite of that would be like to be unclean or to be polluted or to be tampered with. You, you, ever, you, ever, you, ever go in, you ever go into a worship team and getting ready? You ever go into a store and you, know, you go and buy pure honey? Or, you know, me being Italian, you might be buying pure extra virgin olive oil, cold press, right? And, and you want it to be pure. I don't want it to be, I don't want fillers. I don't want things mixed in. And, or, or even when you, when you go into the organic section. Has, has anybody noticed, I don't know, if it, has anybody noticed that food almost doesn't taste like food anymore? I don't know, Pastor Carolyn buys these tomatoes and stuff, and I'm like, it's like plastic. Because somewhere the purity has been taken out. Because when it's pure, you know. Parents, I, I said this earlier, I'm going to say it again. You, you want your children to be pure? Get them off social media. Get them off social media. It is... It is, you know, it's phenomenal to me, the people of Apple and the people that create these devices and they, they create their platforms, you know, they don't want their children on it. I wonder why. Because of the, the mixture, the toxicity that's within it. And then, 
then we wonder why why are our children polluted why are they why are they okay on Sunday but not okay on Monday and, and why do they have this idea and they have that idea or they're mouthy and disrespectful and because something has penetrated that and this is what the world and the system is all about is to create unpure people they're not even listen they're not even worried about people like you and me because, because what's happening is that we are, we are literally having a generation arise that is going to be completely godless. No connection to the truth, no connection to God, no connection to the church. And Christians, listen to me. Some of them are your children. Because, you see, here's what's deceiving. What's deceiving is that it looks like they're doing well because they live off the covenant that you have with God. In other words, they, they live like osmosisly off of your blessings and promises, your faith, not recognizing that at some point that's going to expire and they're going to need God for themselves. But if you don't give them the foundation, if you don't give them the truth, well, pastor, you know, if, if we bring them, they're just going to sit and they're going to sulk. Let them sulk. You think they're just happy in school? They're not happy in school. Oh, they're just going to be angry. Let them be angry. Let God deal with their little attitudes. But, but as far as when they're in your house, when they're in your house, you are king and priest. And this is what we do on a Sunday morning. I want to see that 71% get up over 80%. It ought to be. See, because I'm, I'm just never happy. Because I want progress. I want progress for myself. I want progress for the house. I want progress for you so that, so that you will thrive and that you will flourish and that people will look at your life and say, my God, there is a God in heaven. But not only is he in heaven, he's in your life.